So we, uh, we're at this wonderful point in the cycle of the year where we're entering into a new book of the Torah that's called the Book of Numbers of the book, or, or Bamidbar in the wilderness. So I, I understand the Torah not just as a, the, a kind of a, a history or a story of a people, but also the story of each of our souls, the journey of the soul towards our awakening. And so I just want to bring us up to date of where we are right now in that journey. The whole book of uh, Genesis to me is about the incarnation of the soul, of the soul coming into embodiment, coming into a family and the entanglements of all of that, all that entails and a tribe and a people, um, but sort of coming in, and at the end of the book of Genesis, we go down into Mitzrayim, into Egypt, which literally means the narrow place. It's like our soul gets squished into this small little life here. And the whole book of Exodus is about our journey to come back into the fullness of who we really are, which is this, this infinite expanse of our souls. At the end of the book of Exodus, it's all about building the Mishkan, the sanctuary, which is a kind of a spiritual technology of being in touch with the holiness of the soul. And then the whole book of Leviticus, which we just read, is about how to maintain that holiness, how to, and how to come back to holiness when we fall away from it. So that's, you know, that's where we've gotten to. And we're coming to this, this um, book of, of, of Bamidbar. And it's the moment when we become aware of the journey itself, that we're on a journey, that we're on this spiritual journey of awakening. And to know that we're on a journey makes all the difference. That it, you know, it helps us to walk that journey consciously. So... Um, so imagine this scene, and this was actually a cartoon that I once saw. This, and, and in the scene, we see this tribe uh, riding camels across the desert, and the sun is burning, and the wind is blowing, and the wilderness is stretching out before them. And there's a boy riding a camel next to his father, and he turns to his dad, and he sort of starts whining. Are we there yet? And the father just calmly trudges on through the wilderness. And then in the next frame, you see that the young boy is repeating his question. And you get the feeling that he's probably been asking this question all day long. And finally, his father, who is, uh, turns to his son. And in exasperation, he, he says, for God's sakes, we're nomads. <laughs> So this is, this is what the book of, of, of Bamidbar is about, is realizing that we're nomads, uh, which means that there is a double truth here. One is that it's possible uh, to know that we're always there and that we're not there yet. So we're always there because we can arrive in each moment and be fully in this step and alive to the miracle of the journey. And we're there whenever we're awake. So the book, the book of Bamidbar teaches us to surrender 
to each step of the journey and then make that step our home. So are we there yet? Yes and no. And so this is the message of Bamidbar. So I do a, a lot of traveling and I meet all these people on the road who only seem to want to get where they're going and ask the question, are we there yet? Yes and no. Yes, um, the spiritual practice of traveling, which is really what Bamidbar takes us to, uh, teaches us how to be there in every step, to arrive home and fully inhabit the experience of this moment. And when I'm, when I'm traveling, I'm learning how to show up and make myself fully available and receptive to the gift that God, who is the great mystery, is giving me right now. And also available to rise to the challenge that I'm being offered at this very moment in my life. So yes, I'm there. And no, I'll never get there because the destination is a dynamic force that is calling me onward, opening me up, sending me always to my ever-expanding potential. So the book of Bamidbar begins by, uh, with the taking of the census. So we begin this journey of awakening to the journey by standing up to be counted and counted in order to be deployed, to be sent. And it's also the moment then we, when we do the inner census and get a perspective on the entire landscape of our own personality, all of the different voices inside us that are, seems to, be, to sometimes be in an argument with one another. And uh, that's part of the spiritual journey is to understand your own voices. So before, um, shortly before he died, Oliver Sacks, who was this great brain scientist, did you ever hear of him, Oliver Sacks? He described the view from where he stood on the precipice of a life that was well lived as he was facing the great unknown of his death. And he said, over the last few, few days, I have been able to see my life as from a great altitude, as a sort of landscape, and with a deepening sense of connection of all its parts. So it kind of describing my own spiritual practice, and I'm beginning to feel like my practice is to arrive in this moment, this breath, this step of the journey, so that only then will I be able to achieve that great altitude that will give me the perspective on the landscape of my life. A perspective that will reveal undeniably the connection of all its parts. Entering this moment means letting go of distraction, releasing my worries about the future and my regrets about the past, letting go of the surface of my life so that I can receive and open to the depths. And I'm beginning to feel that authentic religion is, is much more about subtraction than it is about addition more about letting go of artifice and pretense 
than any kind of attempt at, at getting the truth from somewhere else or engineering a true self. You can't create what you already have. I believe that underneath all of our conditioning, habit, prejudice, neurosis, complacency, and numbness, we can find that core something that is true, essential, and uniquely authentic. You might call it your soul or your God self. At our core, we are unconditional joy, unqualified love. And there, we are profoundly connected to each other. We are simply one, achad. And we're living inside that unity. So the Book of Bamidbar reminds us why we're taking the journey. The journey is happens in order to strip away all of those extraneous layers that keep us from our true self, to uh, what's called the, to circumcise the heart, cutting away all of the obstacles that keep us from the fullness of our love. Our journey challenges us to release all of our defenses and dissolve all of our stinginess that is born out of fear and finally, to give ourselves away. So uh, on Shabbat here, we gather in prayer uh, to stand at the crossroads. Though prayer seems like it's a lot of words, in the end, prayer is not about saying words, it's not about singing songs, and not even about thinking deep thoughts. Prayer is a stance, an attitude towards reality. It's showing up and being counted, and also doing our own census, doing that work. Another word for prayer is avodah, it's the work. And the work is becoming aware of who we are becoming and choosing life and blessing in each moment. It's a way of living in the moment and in the awareness of God's presence and addressing ourselves wholly to this mystery that's in front of us while at the same time cultivating a wider view, the great altitude. I think that we come together to support each other and give each other the courage to take that stance. It's so easy to lose our awareness, to fall away from that great altitude, that perspective, and fall prey to the tyranny of emotions, the addiction to self-image, and the false promises and seductions of the world. Richard Rohr teaches that it's no accident that the first commandment of the Ten Commandments is the one that says, I am yud heh vav your God, who brings you out of constriction, out of slavery. It's first because if you don't have one God before you, you will always either become your own God or make something else into a god. And when you do that, you are back in constriction. You're back in slavery. So choosing means being able to sometimes stand against the flow of mainstream culture and to stand for values that are positively countercultural. Values like introspection, kindness, slowing down, inner calm accepting differences and humility, and above all, faith.
I see faith as a choice that we make to live with uncertainty, to live with paradox, to resist cynicism. Having faith doesn't mean that we think that God in the sky is going to intervene. Faith is an end in itself. In faith, we plumb the depths and raise ourselves up into the great altitude to glimpse the mystery of connection within our own landscape and between us all. There was this guy named Eric Hoffer who called himself a street philosopher. And he said, he said this. He said, in times of great change, which is always, learners in inherit the earth while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped for a world that no longer exists. Faith itself is actually a stance that allows us to be learners, continually growing, learning from our mistakes, and loving the questions. From that fragile stance of faith, we are free to keep choosing life in these times of great change, because from my stance of faith, I can imagine what is possible and what might even seem impossible. So each moment we are standing at the crossroads between life and death, between blessing and curse. And sometimes the only reason we choose life and blessing is that we start down a road that we've been down before and we just know that it's a dead end. All of our travels have brought us to this moment of great change. The world that we thought we knew no longer exists. We're always standing at the crossroads, the place of choice. We're always being called to awaken to the blessing before us, to life. So stepping now into the book of Bamidbar, we're stepping into our own wilderness, stepping up to be counted and to be deployed. It doesn't matter how many mistakes I've made, as long as I'm learning from my mistakes and moving forward. And it doesn't matter how much I've accomplished. At the, uh, at the end of the Aleinu prayer, there's this beautiful line, it's right in the middle of the prayer, that says, Letakin olam b'malchut shaddai, which is uh, uh, translated by Rabbi Arthur Waskow to mean healing the world through the majesty of nurture. Healing the world. And, uh, so people think about tikkun olam being the fixing of the world and thinking that the world is broken and I need to go fix it. But when you're a lover, you love the world so much that you want to become a healer of this world. So I wanted to just to, to conclude and to sort of create the doorway to Bamidbar with these words, letakin uh, olam and I want to ask you to stand, since this is the Aleinu prayer, and um, to let this be a meditation of, to ask the question, how, how might I be a healer of the world, just if, through, my, from, through my presence? If you want to see the words, they're on page 285 in your prayer book. It's the last line of Hebrew or the transliteration there, but the very bottom line. Yeah. 
So healing the world through the majesty of nurture. Of nurture. 